This is the Internet Ballers Podcast, episode 58. This is the Internet Ballers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Ballers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers Podcast, and today is the May monthly roundup episode. On this episode, I'll be going through my takeaways with my interviews from Simplero creator Calvin Corelli, Pat Flynn from Smart Passive Income, and sales coach Petra Foster from PetraFoster.com. So first up is Calvin Corelli from episode 55. Uh, so Calvin, as I said earlier, is the creator of Simplero and... Uh, on our on our conversation, Calvin and I talked about uh, how he created Simplero and also like some of the um, struggles that he had internally that he had to overcome. And uh, you know, he was saying for a lot of people out there who are trying to figure out um, what exactly they want to do, what kind of business they want to build, he said a great place to start is uh, they need to figure out first uh, what they're good at. And then also what makes them feel the most alive. And often these are not the same thing. Um, And so he said you can, you know, kind of look back to moments that stood out to you when you were growing up. Uh, You know, what type of people you enjoy being around, what type of environments uh, made you feel most alive to kind of dig into these questions and and figure out answers to, you know, what you're good at and what you what you uh, what makes you feel the most alive. And really the, the best business combination for you uh, to make you really happy is to find a crossroad between the two, to find something that you're good at as well as something that makes you feel most alive. But as I said before, often that's not possible. So sometimes you have to do one, a business that is something that either you're good at and you know on the side you do something that makes you feel most alive, which is essentially what Calvin did because uh, although he's, uh, you know, he's, he's very good at developing software. He's a very talented, uh, internet marketer, but, you know, as he mentioned on our episode, he's not, you know, super passionate about software. He just, he's just naturally good at it. So that's what he does, uh, to develop income. And he's been able to create products that, that people seem to love. Uh, but on the, on the side of what makes him feel most alive, he, he has other, uh, outlets and things that he does. So, He's like, you have to be able to satisfy both, but they don't necessarily have to be in the same thing. If they can be, that's ideal, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Um, and then he said that, uh, you know, when he's uh, going through his his workflow for the day, he doesn't he takes things a little bit differently than most people. He doesn't really force himself to do things that he doesn't feel like doing. He, he kind of lets his mood determine what he does, and uh, he doesn't force himself to work when he doesn't feel like working. And, uh, he, because, because he said, you know, when he forces himself to work, when he doesn't feel like working, he doesn't feel very productive and he doesn't feel very creative. And so he wants to really tap into that most productive creative zone. So when that moment comes up, uh, he dedicates all his time to, uh, focusing on his business and, and, and being productive because he wants to use the hours that he has available in the day, uh, most effectively. Uh, and, one other piece of uh, advice that, that Calvin gave that I thought was really, really interesting and something that a lot of other people have mentioned who have been on the podcast uh, is the importance of uh, creating something that you know you're willing to uh, stick it out when it's not doing well. You know, when Calvin was creating Simplero, he said it took him two years uh, from the time he built it to the point that he could actually live off of it. So 
you know, I'm, I'm thinking like, do does everyone have that same long-term perspective of I'm going to start building this thing today and in two years I'll be able to live off it. I feel like um, too often uh, people want to build something and, you know, in three months they want to be making $10,000 a month or, you know, they, they have these really short-term goals to going from creation of their product or service to being able to live off it full-time. And he said that, you know, you have to ask yourself, are you willing to stick it out even when it's not doing well? Uh, because if you're not, then you might, you know, you're, you're likely to be someone who's going to quit. And, you know, it may be an idea that's not worth starting because it's going to be a, a big waste of your time. If you spend, you know, three months, six months, even a year working on something, it doesn't give you the results that you want. And then you give up on it when if you kept going for maybe another year, uh, like Calvin did, then you would have been able to get to a point where you could live off of it. So, um, one important uh, thing that he said on the on the show that I thought was really interesting is he said no company dies mid keystroke, um, and essentially, you know, it 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 means is as long as you keep working at your business, uh, it's not going to die, it's not going to go away, um, and uh, perseverance is is really one of the biggest keys. Uh, to success. I mean, I've, I've heard this time and time again of so many people who, you know, got to moments and they thought they wanted to give up because it wasn't working out the way they, they had expected it to, but they kept going anyway. And, uh, now they're super successful for it. So, um, that's, that's some, some, some great advice from, from someone who's really successful and who's gone through it. Um, and he says it's also really important to, um, to figure out how to face your fears and figure out what your fears are. He said, uh, he likes to, um, he likes to write them down and speak them out loud and, and then also think about what's the worst possible scenario that could happen and understand that you can deal with whatever that worst possible scenario is. And if you if you can figure out what your fears are, you, you can, you're able to face them, you're able to figure out what the worst possible scenario is, and then you say you figure out a way to deal with that, then your fears no longer have power. Um, and he said one of his biggest fears was that he was going to dig into um, – the thing that made him feel most alive and he was going to realize, uh, or at least, or also, uh, something that he, uh, dig into, to, to something that he was good at and he was going to realize that it was going to be something he didn't like. Um, and I think that that's probably the case for a lot of people. They don't want to dig into, um, <laughs> dig into themselves a little bit more because they'll find out some things they don't like about it. So, um, but I think it's important to do that, that, that self-reflection, uh, and, being introspective so you can figure out your problems, figure out your fears, and then find ways to, uh, to move past them. Uh, so next up was Pat Flynn from episode 56. So uh, Pat Flynn is the owner of the Smart Passive Income podcast and Smart Passive Income blog. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned on the interview, Pat was, was one of my major inspirations uh, for getting into uh, the whole uh, area of uh, internet business and inter internet marketing. Um, and, uh, you know, when, when we were talking about his story, um, Pat talked about how he, uh, made his first dollar from, from doing something online. His, his first, his first dollar came from, uh, some Google AdSense, uh, that he had on his site back in the day when he first got started out in that. But that first dollar, uh, that he made gave him the confidence to know that it was all possible. So it wasn't about, you know, making a million dollars. It wasn't about, you know, making a thousand dollars. It was just about making some money to know that all this is possible. Um, and so it's just important to have, like, I think, I think that just means to me, like, it's important to have a really small goal in the beginning, uh, so that you know, like, okay, this is this is worth 
I guess keep working at keep working at it because I know I, I can't make some money. Uh, but he said it wasn't until he created his ebook uh, and started selling it on a on a really consistent basis that he believed it was possible to make uh, online business into an actual career. And I get that, you know, it's like you, you see other people doing it, and you're not really sure if you can. But then the more you see results coming your way, the more you uh, can build up your confidence and feel better about the idea of actually turning this thing into uh, possibly something full time. Um, but it all starts out with making that first dollar and then building slowly on those milestones uh, until you get more and more confidence in yourself and more and more confident in your ability to grow this uh, to the level in which you uh, you want it to be at. Because I think really it's you know it's always a question of return on investment. People are always thinking. Am I get a? Am I going to get a return on this investment in time? I I spent all this time building this business. Uh, am I going to get a return on my in my dollar investment? Um, you know, one of the things Pat talked about early on was um, when he created his ebook. He also um, created an audio book, and uh, you know, first first he tried to record the audio book himself, and that didn't really work out that well. It, it sounded pretty uh, pretty terrible, and so you know, someone told him, "Hey, you need to." You need to actually hire a voiceover talent to do this audiobook for you, uh, and so he spent fifteen hundred dollars, uh, you know, early on in his career when he didn't really have fifteen hundred dollars to spend on a voiceover talent to create this ebook for him, uh, and he sold that as a package: the uh, the ebook and the well, uh, the fifteen hundred dollars was to create the audiobook version of the ebook, um, and he sold that as a package: the ebook as well as the audiobook. Uh, and, uh, the crazy thing about it is he said, you know, was, he was really nervous about spending that $1,500, but he made that money back in two days once he started selling the book. So I think, you know, the big takeaway there is just that, you know, you have to invest money to make money. Um, and if you set things up the right way, you will make that money back. Now, no, everyone's not going to make their money back in two days, but I think, um, I think the principle of needing to invest to get things done right, uh, is important. And, uh, and if you think of it as an investment and not as an expense, uh, in your business, then, uh, I think that's a good way to, um, to really, I guess, get yourself to put up the type of investments necessary to make your business, uh, make your business really work. Um, and, uh, he, he, he also gave some good advice on balancing, uh, his family life and, uh, his business. You know, he said that, uh, when he first started Smart Passive Income and he started seeing success, he wanted to work on it all the time. And I, I totally get that. You know, it's like you see success, you're like, oh man, this is finally working. You know, I want to I want to figure out how I can how I can grow my audience more. I want to figure out how I can make even more money. And he became like he's just consumed and obsessed with with making more money and making his his podcast better and making his blog better. Uh, and he said that unfortunately, what that did is it put it a negative uh, had negative effects on his relationship. And his his wife at the time had to. You know, I mean, she's still his wife, but, she, you know, she, she had to call him out and say, hey, look, um, you're spending way too much time on this business and you're neglecting me. Um, and, uh, you know, they had a child on the way and, you know, he didn't want to be that that absent father or that absent husband. He wanted to make sure that he was spending ample time with the family as well as uh, time on his business. So he decided to create a physical space uh, in his home and a specific time uh, during the day in which he was going to work on his business and communicated that to his to his wife so that, uh, one, Pat knew that there were boundaries for himself, that these are the hours in which I work on the business, and this is the space in which I work on the business, and also communicated that to his wife so she knew 
you know, between these hours and these hours, I'm working on the business. But outside of that, we can do things together or whatever else. Um, and then also, it's going to be done in this physical space. So when I'm in that space, I'm working on the business. But when I'm not in that space, I'm not working on the business. So it's it's you know available for family time or whatever else uh, we need to do. And I think that's a a great approach to it. Like I think as an entrepreneur, a lot of times you uh, it, it can be easy to 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 not set those sort of boundaries if you have a job. You know, often there are, there are you know physical work is you know a physical workspace uh, many times unless you're working from home, which a lot of people do nowadays. But for the most part, I think most people you know you have a physical workspace, uh, and then you also have working hours, and those hours may may not be um, you know nine to five every single day, but for the most part, there is some sort of reasonable range of hours that you'll work um, that may fluctuate a little bit, but not not too much. And I think as an entrepreneur, a lot of times you know, people just don't set any sort of boundaries. And so, you know, working hours can become all day long every day, right? And you neglect other parts of your life. And your working space can also be, you know, anywhere and everywhere. Now, maybe that works for some people, maybe it doesn't work for others. But I do, I do think Pat's uh, approach of creating a physical space and a specific time frame uh, is a really good approach for making sure that you, um, you have boundaries. Because I think if, if you don't set boundaries for yourself, a lot of times you just won't, um, you, you'll let your, your business spill into everything else and, and, and completely take over your life. Uh, and if you, if you want that sort of work-life balance, um, uh, you know, his balance as much as possible, I guess, uh, then it's important to do that. But that kind of segues into another thing that we talked about was the idea of this work-life balance. And Pat said that really it's not possible to have a complete balance. Um, and I think that was a good point too, because, uh, I, I think, Often it gets, you know, talked about that you need to balance work and life, but there are going to be periods in your work time where you're going to need to work more uh, than you have time for personal things. You know, he, he specifically mentioned like you know, when he was doing a when he's doing a product launch or or, you know, any anyone who's working on something where they're trying to build something new up or they're you know trying to solve a really hard problem. Uh, in their business, there's going to be a time where you're going to have to dedicate more time to the business in those moments. And there'll probably be also other times uh, where, you know, the, the pendulum will swing the other way and you'll have to dedicate a lot more time to, to your family and, and less time to the business. But, uh, really the advice Pat had that there was just don't let it last too long. If, uh, you're spending a lot of time or a lot more time in the business than you are with your family or with your personal things, uh, and vice versa. Don't let your time you spend with your family or, or doing personal things, uh, take over, to the point that it's neglecting that you're neglecting your business, uh, so that's that's kind of the best way to have a, I guess what you could call a balance as much as possible, but uh, but know that it's never going to be perfect. Um, and one other thing that we talked about was the idea of the four hour work week. You know, we, uh, I, I mean, I personally like that like that book a lot. I know Pat loves that book, and uh, you know, I asked him, you know, is is having an actual four hour work week work week realistic? Uh, for people, and he, and he said no. He said I don't know anyone who's successful um, and uh, only works four hours a week. Uh, and, and I and I've heard that from you know countless other uh, guests that I've had on the podcast. Uh, I know I personally do not get to work four hours a week uh, on my business. And uh, but I think the idea you know behind Tim Ferriss's book clearly was that you know there's there are ways to gather um, more of your time back if you use outsourcing techniques and technology and, and, and those sort of things. So maybe the, 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 you know, the, the actual title of only working four hours is a little bit, um, overstated, but you know, um, that clarification I think was necessary because some people do expect, 
uh, to only work four hours a week. And I think that that's important, an important distinction to make because your expectations that you have for your business when you go in is going to really set you up for success or for failure. If you're expecting, I'm going to only work four hours a week and I'm going to have this great business where I'm making, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, a year, it kind of goes back to the, you know, being patient. Like, you know, I'll, I've heard so many times where people will say, I want to work 90 days and ramp my business up to $100,000 a year uh, and only work four hours a week. And it's like, that's just not a realistic goal to have. Like, you need to have um, expectations that are aligned with what most people who are successful are actually doing. Uh, and that's and that's kind of the point of the podcast, right? To interview people and figure out what, what's actually working. Um, what are people actually doing in their business? What struggles do they actually have and how do they overcome those things? Um, and the last thing that Pat talked about was having backup plans in place for your business. So, uh, you know, he has business insurance um, for his business if, if for whatever reason things were ever to to crash and go away. You know, he has backups of his email list if for whatever reason his email service provider were to go out of business or lose all his files. You know, he has backups of all the different aspects of his business. So backups of his website, backups of his podcast episodes. Um, so all these things are backed up, you know, outside of, um, you know, where, where things are typically stored so that if something were to happen for whatever reason, he has a way to recover. Uh, and I think that's super important too because, uh, especially in the digital world, when you're when you're not keeping uh, physical copies of things, and even if you are keeping physical copies of things, I mean things can get destroyed in floods, and things can get, can get destroyed um, in natural disasters or, or, or what have you. Uh, and so it's important to have a backup of uh, of whatever important business things that you have, uh, if you can. Uh, clearly, it's not you know always possible to have backups of physical products. Because uh, there's a limited supply, but especially if you have digital digital assets, you can easily uh, create and store backups of those. Uh, and I think that's just just important thing to have because you just never know when something could come up. And uh, it's important to have contingencies in plan in place uh, for those for those uh, type of events. Uh, so the last up was Petra Foster from episode 57. So Petra was the sales coach from PetraFoster.com. And uh, I really enjoyed our interview because Petra has like such great energy and she talked about, you know, sales and really selling uh, high ticket items and, you know, sales is the lifeblood of any business. Like no matter what business you're in, you need to sell to someone in order to make money, right? That's the whole purpose of business is to make money, right? Um, you want to do something that you love. You want to do something that helps people. But at the end of the day, you're working for money. You're not, you're not working for free. Um, and uh, so Petra said that one of the things that was, uh, super helpful for her when she first started out. Cause I asked her, you know, how are you able to go out when you first started your first business, which was a t-shirt, uh, and embroidery, uh, company, how were you able to go out and sell services that were four times more expensive than competitors? You know, when, when, when people could go online and, you know, buy the same, you know, t-shirts that she was, uh, making for four times, uh, less, you know, why, why go with her? And she said, really what it was that made her super successful was the fact that she was bold. She had no problems asking for the sale. She was completely confident in herself. She was likable and she was very clear on sharing the benefits of her service with her, with her potential clients. Um, and she said that many people are really just scared to sell their services because they don't know uh, how much people out there really need them. And she was really, she, she totally understood it. She understood that this was important to people's businesses that they needed the services that she was offering. And 
another thing she said is that when it comes to pricing, she said a lot of people get afraid to ask for uh, a price that's maybe even a, maybe a premium to what's happening in the marketplace uh, or what they think they deserve to get paid because they think customers are going to do pricing research. And a lot of times they just don't, right? You know, she was able to charge four times as much also because in many cases, customers didn't know that they could get the, the product somewhere else uh, significantly cheaper. She came in there. She was confident in what she said. She she made a, a, a proposition to these people and, and they took her up on it because she was able to really explain the value of the service that she provided. Uh, and so I think that that's, that's something really important. Like, don't get don't get you know, afraid because you think someone's going to think your service is too expensive because they're going to do pricing research because, you know, until you try it out in the marketplace and see what kind of responses you get from people, you never really know what they'll actually say. Um, one, they might not know what other people are charging. And two, you may be able to explain the value to them so they see why you're a premium service and why you're worth paying more money for. Um, and she said that, you know, when she went out there, everyone clearly did not say yes to her. She got a lot of no's, but she didn't allow those no's to bother her. She just kept going on and, uh, was just pretty, pretty fearless about it. And one of the things that was really helpful for her to be so fearless was that she had a why that was bigger than her fear. Uh, for her in particular, her husband, uh, had been working a job that was really dangerous. Uh, he, he had gotten into an accident at work, um, previously and uh when she asked him if that was the first time it happened he said no you know this is hey this has happened before and it really worried her and she didn't want him doing that job anymore and so the fear of her husband needing to go back to that job that was dangerous um was her big why for for you know uh conquering her fears and not allowing rejection and things like that to stop her uh, and so I think it's important to dig deep and really figure out like what's a what's a really important why like why am I really doing this so you can remind yourself of that whenever things get tough, whenever you get a, a lot of no's or rejections uh, or setbacks happen uh, back to back and you just need some encouragement for why you're going to keep going. Um, we talked about uh, what other people are doing wrong and she said that uh, <laughs> one of the things that, that, that sets a lot of people up for failure is because they do everything except for selling. You know, They spend time and money building websites, they build online courses, uh, but she said that the only thing you need to learn how to do in the beginning is to sell so you can make money now. And uh, she focuses on learning uh, basically how to connect with your audience, how to book consultations, how to close sales on the first call. That's that's the process that she focuses on with her clients. And uh, and I like it. And basically, I mean, what Petra said is, um, you know, in the beginning when you're new, like, you know, all the websites and the, and the, and the other fancy stuff, I mean, it's, it's great to have for your business. It's great to have for branding. But if you get so bogged down and spending time trying to do all this stuff, that's not selling when you could be making money and really validating your business idea to yourself. Cause once you start making, once you start making money and once you start getting clients, you know, building the website, you know, will be easy because one, you could pay someone to do it. Um, and two, you'll be motivated to do it because you already validate your idea. You already know it's possible. Um, and so Petra has a, a great process for, for going about, um, you know, the, the steps of connecting with your audience and booking a consultation and, and closing the sale on the first try. And so, uh, the first thing she said you need to do is create a branding position in the marketplace. She said, you need to know where you fit in the hearts and minds of your audience. Uh, she said a lot of people struggle because they don't know how to position themselves in their market. Uh, she said, your brand is what people think, feel, and hope for about your business. What, what, what is it they hope 
that you will create for them? What do they feel about what you're going to do for them? And that that is what your brand is. And she said, you have control over that. And you can you can kind of craft that brand message in the minds of people. Uh, and you want to craft the message that you are a premium expert that will solve their problem. Uh, and if you do that the right way, then one, you'll be able to uh, get a lot of customers. And two, you'll be able to charge premium prices because people see you as that premium person, not as the the discounted person who just take whatever, you know, price or money they, that gets thrown at them. Uh, the next thing is she said you need to create a marketing message. Um, so, you know, you need to tell people, you know, what you do and why they should care and have a clear message that sets you apart from others. Uh, and she needs to, you need to educate your audience on their problems and that your solution is the way um, that they can get rid of this problem that they have. And she said a lot of people fail because they have very generic messages. You know, they have, you know, if you're a health coach or you're a dietitian, dietitian, you're, you're just totally focused on just like, you know, the same sort of health and fitness advice uh, that everyone else is giving. Or if you're an internet marketer, you're, you're focused on the same, you know, internet marketing strategies that everyone else talks about. But she said one of her clients that did something really interesting that, and, and was able to go from uh, charging clients $50 an hour to charging clients $3,000 for complete packages um, was that she went from being the generic health and fitness coach to being a coach who says you can eat all the carbs that you want and still lose weight. She figured out a strategy for people to eat carbs and still lose weight. And she branded herself as the love carb coach. And because she set herself apart from everyone else who's saying, don't eat carbs, don't eat carbs, don't eat carbs, it made her stand out in the marketplace. And so she was saying that every uh, entrepreneur needs to do that same thing. You need to find a way to differentiate yourself. You need to find a way to make yourself or put yourself in a blue ocean, so to speak, right? If you're if you're out there in a, in a red ocean with with you know the ocean's red because there's sharks uh, out there and they've been chomping on all the customers, all the same sharks eating all the same customers. You need to find a place where you can go where there's there's little competition. And by having those small distinct distinctions in their marketing message, you know, being the love carb, carb coach versus being a regular generic health coach is how you get yourself into a blue ocean uh, and go from making 50 bucks an hour to selling people into um, premium packages. And so that was the next thing was talking about uh, creating a premium package that you can show your clients um, how they can go from pain to joy. You know, she said a lot of people, you know, they just, they charge these really low hourly rates. And she said, you need to, you need to not do that. You need to figure out what your package is worth and be selling three to $5,000 packages. So you're not, you're not selling your services at $50 an hour. You're selling your services at I'm going to work with you for six months and it's going to cost you 3000 to $5,000. And this is what it is, right? And you need to show them also what results they're going to be able to achieve at the end of your program. Um, you know, one thing that Petra does with her clients is she promises, uh, that they will enroll high ticket clients within six weeks or less. So that's her promise to her clients. And so, you know, for them, the value proposition is, is great because, Hey, if I can, you know, start charging three to $5,000 for a package and I can enroll a client within six weeks, well, whatever Petra's fee is all, all, all of a sudden becomes, uh, completely reasonable because, you know, I'm going to be making uh, three to $5,000 uh, a package from my new clients and she's guaranteeing me to get one within six weeks. And once I learn the process, it's repeatable and I can do it again and again and again. Um, 
And so the last thing that we talked about, well, I guess the next thing that we talked about in this process was knowing how to book consultations. So learning how to attract clients and get them to engage with you uh, and really listen to them. And she said that, you know, when the consultation happens, it's, it's a two-step uh, sales process. So you book the consultation through a pre-qualification process. Um, and then um, and then what you do is uh, you go through the sales conversion process. And said, she said, you, you, you have to know um, how to convert sales and get people to say yes or no on that first call. And, and basically she says, you know, what you do on the call is you discover what their needs are and you figure out, you know, how you can serve those needs and you want them to get, you want to get them to say yes or no on that call and not to say, oh, I want to think about it or oh, I want to talk to my spouse or I want to check out another program. No, you want to spell out your benefits and you want to spell out your value proposition to that person so much on that first call that they can see, hey, like, I know you're charging X amount of dollars, but I'm going to get so much more in return. And I'm going to be able to relieve this, you know, enormous pain that's in front of me that I want your program. And you want to force them into saying yes or no. And so if they say no, that's fine. And the goal is not to get everyone to say yes, but the goal is to make everyone make a decision on that first call and not have an opportunity for a subsequent call. And that will make your conversion rate go up. You'll, you'll get a lot more, um, you'll get a lot of no's because some people, you know, may, may not want to make that first decision. But I mean, the, the reality is with, uh, with these sort of things is once that first consultation call is, call is over, it's not likely that that person is going to, um, go and talk to their spouse and then come back. Uh, so getting them to make that decision on that first call, I think is a great, great approach uh, for the type of consultation that Petra is talking about in her business. And I know follow-up is, is something that, you know, is important to do with people uh, in other types of marketing. But I think specifically with this type of consultation call, it's important on that call to get that person to say yes or no. And then you can also follow up with them if they say no uh, later on. But on the call, you want to get them, get them to say uh, a definitive yes uh, or no. Um, and so I really like my interviews, uh, this month. I mean, I think every month I, the guests always bring value and, and they talk about some great things that are, that are incredibly helpful. Um, and, uh, I hope you got a lot of value from listening to these episodes. Uh, I, I really, uh, really enjoy doing the show. really do enjoy doing these great, uh, interviews. Uh, and, uh, I want to thank you a lot for, for being awesome and joining me on another episode of the internet ballers podcast. Uh, so one thing I would ask you to do, if you enjoy this episode or other episodes of the internet ballers podcast, I'd ask you to go over to, uh, the internet ballers blog, which is at www.internetballers.com and subscribe to the podcast. Um, and there, uh, you can also listen to, uh, this episode as well as other episodes of the internet ballers podcast. Uh, and, uh, check me out at internetballers.com. And, you know, if you have any questions about anything, you can always shoot me an email at michael at internetballers.com. So thanks for your time and thanks for listening. And I'll see you next week, uh, on our first episode for the month of June. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.